0: Welcome to another episode of Campus Life, the college half of our flagship podcast here at Campus DeCanton. Colin is still away. Little known fact, I actually did give him away at his wedding this weekend, but I'm joined by none other than Felix Sharp. And of course, our main guest here today is not Felix. Felix will complain about that in a second. Our main guest here today is Justice. You might know him as the resident IDP expert, not only at Campus DeCanton, but basically online as a whole co-host of the Debbie IDP Grind podcast, biggest and only Old Dominion fan that I know. Justice, how how did you get started doing such, like people call C2C niche. College fantasy IDP is like the niche of the niche. How did you do this? Sure.
1: So how it started for me was I started playing fantasy, I don't know, 30 years ago. Uh, started, you know, baseball, NFL. Um, and then and then someone introduced me to college fantasy football probably 25 years ago. Me and a bunch of guys that were in NFL leagues, started a league. The league's actually still going on. Um, and what I saw in doing college fantasy football, well, I learned a lot of lessons, right? The first year, you know, back then there's no information um, as far as college fantasy goes. So I'm using like draft stuff, right? Well, I quickly learned that first year, you know, even though I might have amassed 10 first round picks, it didn't mean crap for college fantasy football. (laughs) Um, And so I learned like you had to do your own homework. And then I, then I learned the more homework or the more work you put in, the more rewards you're going to reap, the more success you're going to have. And over the years, that's just kind of like led me to IDP first with NFL IDP, because I think I think NFL IDP is still somewhat niche. Um, and again, the more work you put in, the more research you do, you're going to reap those rewards. And then it kind of led to, to um, college IDP. And to me, college IDP is like the ultimate, all the things I love about college fantasy football, you know, in terms of, you know, finding that diamond in the rough myself, like that's just amplified in IDP because there's, there is no, if, if if me or Hollywood aren't producing something or, you know, Brock on a podcast there, that stuff doesn't exist.
2: Justice. I mean, playing college fantasy for 30 years, that's a long time given how small the community seems to be. Does it feel like we're on the brink of that dam opening up and college fantasy becoming more mainstream, uh, does it feel that way to you?
1: Yeah, I think it. I mean, it, it's slow, right? I mean, like back when I started, you were doing all the scoring on your own on a you know Excel spreadsheet. Then we had you guys probably never heard of this. There's called U Sports, and U Sports was basically like Fantrax before Fantrax. Um, I'm actually in a in a league with the guys that wrote that software. Um, and then you know, fan tracks came about, and so I've been playing fan tracks pretty much as long as they've been around. Um, yeah, there was like a year or two, maybe Yahoo had something, um, but it it was pretty pretty bad. Uh, I think they only had like Power Five; they didn't have the Group of Five schools. Um, so yeah, I think I think with the way NILs going, you're seeing it with the EA sports video game, right? I think um, the avenue for it to get bigger exists. Um, I think the biggest challenge, I think, and why I think Fantrax is the only is the only uh, show, so to speak, is because of the cost to get in. Um, Fantrax is a Canadian company, so my assumption is they don't necessarily follow American rules, or they're not required to. Um, whereas maybe an American company, for me to use, you know, C.J. Stroud's name or you know, Caleb Downs or any of these guys' names, I'm assuming you probably have to kind of, you pay some kind of NIL, right? And so I think that's probably the biggest barrier is growing the market big enough that it makes it worth it for these companies to spend that money.
0: Well, it sounds like EA is paying $500 per player. That's not an instrument. I mean, that's a lot each year, like, let like, like, don't get me wrong. You know, there's a lot of football players. There's a lot of FBS teams, but that seems at least like now there's, there's a bar set as to what maybe this should cost per player per year. I'm I, so, you know, I'm hoping that maybe that, that means that in the next couple of years we get some sort of consistent data provider, a competitor to fan tracks, you know, all those kinds of things.
1: Well, I mean, you know, I, People always talk about the the data sourcing as being an expensive part. And, um, Austin, as you know, I built a tool last year using free source data to score the IDPs in college. Now, is it live? Nope. Um, But you, generally speaking, it's 24 to 48 hours after the game's in. That's fairly reliable. Um, I could use that same system to score offense. I just don't necessarily do it because we have fan tracks to score the offense. So I don't necessarily buy the maybe because they're a company, they can't use the free sources. I'm not sure, but the source I used is open source, free. Um, and and it's much for IDP, it's way more reliable than what you get for fan tracks.
0: It's a lifesaver too, as a commissioner that runs at least one IDP league. Um, I believe I, I run two that you're in. That was uh yeah, very every much every league player. I'm
1: in, I did the scoring for it. Yeah.
0: Keeping, a, keeping the IDP train going. For anybody that doesn't know, Fantrax stopped scoring tackles last year, which yeah. is like stop scoring yardage for Any offensive other fantasy yeah. football. Real. It's like the yep. thing that matters the most. So, um, yeah, that, that that really, really is a lifesaver. Speaking of tackles, Justice, we do have yes. – you, you've built this tool that we have on CampusCanton.com. It's called the Tackles Production Tool, I'm a complete IDP noob. Felix hasn't even heard those three words in that order before today. Can you tell us what that tool is exactly and how you would recommend somebody use it uh, who is playing in an IDP league?
1: So, um, you know, I'm still learning how to, how it should be used myself, but I would tell you like my, what I feel, um, what I see as immediate benefits. So, you know, number one is just getting information out there. You know, so... You're getting, you know, what you what what someone is expected to do versus what they actually did. You're seeing how efficient they were at that at, at tackling, and then how big of a percentage of their tackles were of the team tackles, right? So these all these statistics kind of relate to the same things you look at on a, for offensive players, right? You you want volume, um, and so. The the tackles versus expected. That's simply taking all the position groups. So I broke down each specific position group, whether it's linebackers, cornerbacks, safeties, defensive tackles, or edges, and then I looked at their their stats over the course of four years in in pass situations and run situations. So I come up with the average for each position group in those situations, running paths. Right. We call that the expected, but it's really just an average. And then you take that and you apply that average or that that rate, that average tackle rate to each individual player's specific snap counts, whether it's a pass snap or a run snap. And then you get their expected tackles. Right. And so tackle efficiency is just telling you how many tackles they make per opportunities. Right. And So obviously. I mean, I think in college it might not be as big a deal as it is in the NFL, right? A guy that has a horrible tackle rate is gonna not—he's not gonna last long in the NFL, right? If he's missing a lot of tackles, um, and then tackle team percentage of team tackles is simply like—is this—is this guy like a one-man wrecking crew, so to speak? Um, whereas teams like maybe like Georgia, where they rotate a lot, you're not gonna see a high percentage of team tackles. So. I think the best way to use that data, all three data points, is to look for trends. So, and it's a little bit harder on the college side, right? Because you only got four years at most, maybe five with COVID, um, three years on the least end. But what you're kind of looking at, so let's say a guy is consistently, like, let's say his first two years, his tackle is is, is, is overexpected for his first two years. And then, you know, the other things are, are, are good too. But what you're what you what you're looking for is that trend that he doesn't have like an outlier where like, let's say his first year, his tackle is over, his tackles over expected was really high. And then the next year it was, it went the other way, went negative. Because that means that that first year is probably an outlier. So you're looking for consistency. Um, and, Even a guy like – so I'm going to use Jason Henderson as an example from ODU. So his freshman year, even though he wasn't the starter, he didn't play that much, his tackle over expected rate was still pretty daggone high for the amount of snaps that he had, right? Last year, he's a true sophomore, becomes a starter, leads the nation in tackles. So you're looking for trends that can help you kind of find those kinds of players.
2: It's, it sounds like it's no different than looking at like market share and dominator rating for wide receivers. I mean, it's right. almost the same thing. Or rush yards um,
1: over expected for a running back, right? S- same thing.
2: Uh, Justice, I want to get some names out here. Um, can you tell us for the uninitiated like myself who the top five you know guys are in IDP college scoring? And then same for, I don't know if, IDP involves freshman drafts, but if you draft freshmen, give us the top five who would be considered the top five freshmen.
1: So in the leagues I play in, and Austin does too, um, the scoring is going to be dominated by linebackers because linebackers get the most tackles, and tackles are the most consistent um, scoring category. So the top five linebackers that are coming back off the top of my head, Jason Henderson – from old dominion jackson mitchell from connecticut sean dolak from uh, buffalo let's see who else Uh, (laughs) wow that's um, fine
2: i just i just wanted to get some names out here that people you know should be paying attention to the guys who are scoring points and idp scoring
1: yeah those i mean those are definitely like the top three i would say um now all three of those guys They probably don't have much NFL potential. Um, They're probably like special teams kind of guys, right? Back of the roster kind of guys. Um, And it's not because they're not good. They're size-wise, right, is what's going to kill them. They just don't necessarily possess the size to play in the NFL. What Um, about players
2: like Jared Verse or uh, Harold Perkins, both of them? Jared Verse considered, you know, potentially a
1: first-round defensive end. Absolutely, absolutely.
2: Are they high-scoring linebackers or edge players?
1: Per- Perkins was, for a freshman, he had a, had an outstanding year. Um, he was probably one of the highest-scoring freshman linebackers. Um, the thing about Perkins is it not only does he give you tackles, he gives you sacks, too. Um, Jared versus is, in my opinion, a first-round pick. He's probably the best returning edge there is. In my opinion, he would have been – he could have – he might have been better – he might have been drafted before Tyree Wilson um, in this past draft. At worst, worst case – I think he was the third best defensive end after Anderson and Tyree Wilson. I, I'm I'm I was completely shocked that he did not enter the draft. Um, he would have been a first round pick for sure, in my opinion. Um, you asked about some freshmen, so um, some of the the you know Anthony uh, Anthony Hill, Texas, right? Um, they lost uh, and Overshone. Jalen Ford still there. Jalen Ford's probably I'd probably include him in the top five of of a question of returning players. And Jalen Ford does have an NFL future. Um, but Anthony Hill, uh, number one linebacker recruit, going to uh, University of Texas. Um, he is by far the one of the best linebackers to me. He reminds me of Harold Perkins, right? He's someone that you know can get tackles and sacks. Um, we're going to talk about Caleb Downs here in a little bit. Um, Peter Woods. So, uh, Peter Woods, you know, I haven't watched a ton of freshmen. Um, and I don't, and I don't watch a whole lot of freshmen just because simply, especially the top ones, because, and we'll talk about this, I guess, later too, but I'm not, I'm generally not going to spend the draft capital, whether it's dollars or, or draft rounds to get those guys. So I don't necessarily spend a whole lot of time watching them. Um, I kind of focus my efforts on other things. But Peter Woods um, is probably the most ready defensive lineman I've ever seen. Now, the problem with him is he's going to be a defensive tackle. And if you're not in a league that's position specific, like you're just in a generic defensive line league, then generally speaking, defensive tackles don't hold a lot of value. there is exceptions to that rule, right? Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald's like the exception. Um, Christian Wilkins is another one where they're both defensive tackles, but they score well enough that in a generic defensive line league, you're going to start them. Um, uh, who else? Let's see. Keon Keeley, edge at Alabama. Um trying to think who else as far as freshmen go. Uh, Janelle Aguero, a safety at Georgia. Um, He's someone that I really like. Um, Those are probably all the freshmen I can think of off the top of my head. I'm just trying to think of the ones that kind of go for a lot of money. Um, Deshaun Womack an Edge um, at LSU. I think his name – I know his last name, Womack. I think his first name is Deshaun.
0: (laughs) Well, you fooled me. I mean, I – that's gospel to me, Deshaun Womack. It is, you know, that, that's my guy now. So uh. I,
1: I feel like there was another Womack too somewhere. Maybe I'm getting the the, the first names confused, but yeah, Womack at uh, at uh, LSU is another one um, that looked really looked really good um, as far as freshmen go. And I oh. I saw him I saw him play in a game where I was watching someone else. I saw I saw his junior tape, um, and he was impressive then
0: that's the best when you find a guy that you're looking for somebody else and somebody else pops. It's usually a a pretty good sign there. What you're giving out some names here. So why don't we just talk a little bit about draft strategy and some basic draft strategy here? What what are some tips or what's the first thing you would say if you're preparing for an IDP draft? uh, Whether it's a startup or you know, even even a supplemental draft? what, What are some some key basics that you need to know going into that draft?
1: So the first question um, that you need to know and is the most by far the most important question because this is going to dictate your draft strategy, is how how is the college IDP scoring going to be done? Are you simply relying on fan tracks? or is someone going to manually score the IDP? Because that is that is super important. If, if for those that don't know, if you're simply relying on fan tracks, Fantrax, number one, does not score tackles at all. They show them, but they don't score them. And even what they do show is not reliable and not accurate. I will also tell you that the other defensive statistics that Fantrax does score on aren't always reliable. Um, Sometimes they're missing. Sometimes they're inaccurate. So if you're playing in a league, ac to C2C league, and you're relying on Fantrax, well, then I'm not going to draft Jason Henderson. I'm not going to draft Jackson Mitchell because those guys are going to do you absolutely no good because, number one, they're in the G5. And generally speaking, I think the defensive stats are better for the P5. It's not always true. Like the Vanderbilts of the world are just as bad as the G5. No one Um, wants to
0: sit there and count anything (laughs) going on in the Vanderbilt game, let alone tackles. Let's let's be honest.
1: But – you know, you're not going to want to draft those guys because they're not going to score. Number one, they're not going to score any points in fan tracks because the stats are so bad. And number two, the NFL future is, you know, special teamer. You know, sure, one of them's is going to pop at some point, right? But the question is, which one is going to be? So, in, in, in leagues that are relying simply on pawn fan tracks, you're going for NFL potential only guys, right? So, you're hitting up Clemson, you're hitting up Alabama, you're hitting up Georgia, you're hitting up those. Uh, you know, Ohio State defensive linemen, right? You're hitting up those programs that are known to produce, you know, NFL caliber defensive players. And you and you're not gonna, you're you're gonna, in my opinion, you're gonna punt the defensive side um as far as the college because because the fan track scoring is so bad, it's not gonna it's not gonna move the needle for me in terms of you winning or losing a you know a matchup. Conversely, if you have someone that's manually scoring IDP, right? Well, this—that's where you can make up a lot of points because you're going to draft the Jason Hendersons, the Jackson Mitchells, the the Sean Dolaks. Um, these guys are, you know, studs from a fantasy college fantasy standpoint, right? <clears throat> you know, I think Jason Henderson had 185 tackles last year, and so, you know, you look at a guy like from Georgia. Like a high Georgia guy, is probably getting like sixty tackles, right? A third, and so that—that's question number one. Once you answer that question, then you can kind of dictate your strategy. Um, some of the other questions that I think you need to answer are: what are you need to know? Your league scoring settings, right? Is it tackle head? Most leagues are you know tackle heavy, um, because and that makes sense because tackle is the most consistent. Um statistic for defensive players um is your league does your league require um, is the scoring different for different positions so I am in some NFL leagues where the scoring for each defensive position is different for every position almost like tiered PPR but it's you
0: know absolutely. By, by, by the defensive position instead of you know
1: by, absolutely by, by, and so okay. if if you're in one of those leagues that's important to know. Because you know that that puts value on cornerbacks, that puts value on defensive tackles. Whereas you know if 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 you're using the same standard scoring for every position, you, you're my the, the position groups you're going to target are linebackers, your your uh, elite edges, your are in the box safeties, right? Those are kind of like what you're looking at. Um, if I'm in a league where Um, defensive line is just generic I'm not targeting defensive tackles um, generally speaking because they just don't score enough points obviously like I said there's exceptions to the rules you got Aaron Donald's Christian Wilkins etc but generally speaking your your ends and your edges where they're going to get sacks and tackles are going to just produce more points It's it's a higher percentage play
2: Justice, you may have answered this already, but I think from the offensive perspective, we consider like Lincoln Riley's quarterback to be, you know, a position that doesn't really matter who it is. You got to take them. Same for um, whoever Steve Sarkeesian is coaching. Um, he always has a thousand yard wide receiver. You can go to Zach Kitley's uh, system there. Are there particular defenses or defensive coordinators that ID peers should gravitate towards based on the historic? production for individual positions within that system
1: you know that's a good question i don't know i would say for nfl purposes absolutely right you're you know you're looking at ohio state for defensive linemen you're looking at uh georgia defensive linemen linebackers you know safeties Georgia's georgia and alabama i say are good all around you know from an nfl potential standpoint um clemson Clemson and Ohio state are kind of that I view them kind of like that next tier down. Um, But you know, Ohio state and Clemson defensive linemen are generally elite. Um, In terms of college production, I don't, I've never, there is no database of defensive coordinators. So I, you know, that question you asked is a great question. It's something that I've always wondered too. Right. Um, But there's no, there is no database of coordinators, right? And so, unless I was to go produce that myself, um, which would take a lot of time, I don't know that I can tell you, hey, you need to go target this guy's linebackers. But what I can tell you, generally speaking, is um, look at look at the bad offenses, right? Because um, Jason Henderson, Jackson Mitchell, Anthony Orgy at Vanderbilt, right? What do all three of those people have in common? Well. Their offenses weren't that great, and so a lot of opportunity for those guys. The defense is on the field a lot, so they have a lot of opportunity to get tackles. And IDP is so much about opportunity, right, um, even in the NFL, that there are players that aren't necessarily real good-life players but produce stats from IDP perspective. I think that the biggest one I can think of that people talk about a lot on the NFL side – was Jonathan Owens last year. Like he wasn't, from a real football perspective, he wasn't really good. But from an IDP perspective, he was probably the top, if not the top, he was definitely the top two, three safeties um, for fantasy purposes. So, you know, look, target those, you know, offenses that don't have time of possession, that the offenses don't score, right? Um, Because those defenses are on the field so much, it's more opportunity.
0: So, if you are looking to work with c2c.com, somebody out there listening to this, go put together a database of all the IDP info <laughs> from the last 20 years and then send it to us and we can talk.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, I had I like statistics for players going back to 2014, but, you know, trying to match those players up with the coaches, that's that's, I mean, at some point, I just got to do it right. But it's probably a moving forward standpoint, right? You start with whatever year you start instead of trying to go back and figure out who the defensive coordinator was, because you're gonna you're gonna have to have you know a couple years worth of data to kind of see a trend.
0: For sure, for sure. So we talked a little bit about this before the show, you know, talking about uh, keeping all these things in mind. You know, is Fantrax scoring your league? What are your league scoring settings? Is it different by position? All these different things. Let's assume that that you know your league is is scoring. You you can get tackles figured out, so you you can you know you have got CFF options and and Devi let's say options for IDP. How are you approaching IDP if you are doing a startup draft like a normal C two C league? Usually in these leagues, it's like instead of forty five man rosters, it's like sixty ish man rosters. So you, you get some extra roster spots there. How are you treating it?
1: So for me, um, in any draft. As far as IDP goes, I wait. Um, I don't necessarily recommend this strategy for most people. Um, I'm able to wait because of my knowledge. Um, And so when people have asked me this question, I say, wait as long as you're comfortable. The longer you can wait, the better you are. Number one, offensive players are harder to get, right? You know, they they just are. They cost more. People people like them more. Um, Defensive players can be had easier, you know, in terms of like, trades um and so i wait as long as possible Um, what do you mean
0: how long as long as possible to say it's a 60 round draft how long are you waiting to take your first idp guy assuming that they're kind of going off the board at what you would consider a normal rate
1: i'm pretty sure in the in a draft the last time i did it like a startup draft it was a 16 team league um it was a traditional draft IDP started going off the board I want to say round 7 and I don't think I took my first IDP player till maybe 15, so maybe around 15 somewhere around there
0: okay is that something that if I don't have any knowledge because I don't can you I wait? can use your tool to kind of figure out as the draft is going on
1: <laughs> yes and no right so that tool is not going to tell you who the best you know NFL guy is sure sure um I think you know Maybe if you use that tool in combination with, like, where does the guy go to school, right? Does he go to Georgia or Alabama or Clemson, Ohio State, et cetera? Well, then, yeah, he's probably got a really good um, NFL future. So, you know, kind of use those things in combination, right? Um, You can look at mock drafts from, you know, NFL mock drafts. Um, Obviously, those vary widely, right? But at least it kind of gives you an idea, Um, especially, like, if you're looking like first-round guys. Um, that's that though, those, those are much more reliable than, you know, the later rounds of mock drafts.
0: What positions are you targeting first? You talked about uh, linebackers kind of tending to get more tackles in a, I know some, some formats kind of try to balance out tackles versus splash plays, but you know, in a normal league where, where tackles do kind of reign supreme is linebacker kind of the direction you're headed
1: first? I would say linebacker or elite edges. Okay. And when I say elite, I'm talking like Will Anderson, right? Um, so, you know, if there is a Will Anderson, right, then, yeah, he's probably the first guy. Um, and Will, in, in, in that draft I was talking about, Will Anderson was the first IDP that went. Um, but if there is not a Will Anderson, then, yeah, I'm going to target linebackers because they're going to be your higher scores.
0: And then edges. Okay. Okay.
1: Yep. Linebackers, edges. Um, and then when you get to defensive backs, like I'm looking for end of box safeties, um, which you know is a little bit harder to predict, right? You can't predict what they're gonna play in the NFL. Um, but you know, generally speaking, in in generic defensive back leagues, I'm gonna target safeties and not cornerbacks. There's exceptions to the rule there too. Uh Kenny Moore off the top of my head. Like he he's he scores as well. He scores well enough that he is owned in a normal defensive back league. But generally speaking, um in a general D B league, cornerbacks don't score enough points to uh to really move the needle. Again, unless they're getting some kind of bonus for, you know, passes defended or something like that.
2: Justice, uh I, I think, you know, for everyone, fantasy changes the way they watch the game. You know, if you uh, uh, are paying attention to the offensive side and you have Carson Strong and Romeo Dubs playing and Carson Strong throws a touchdown to another wide receiver, you, you know, you might jump out of your, your seat somewhat. Um, do, has it changed the way that you are watching the defensive side of the ball? And if so, how?
1: Yeah. I mean, to a certain extent, um, I think it's it's harder to watch the defense just simply because like any, like, people's nature is to watch the ball. Right. Um, and for defense, you don't, I mean, you want to watch what happens before the ball moves. Um, and so I think that the big, I think the easiest thing to notice is like the guy guys all over the field, um, which, you know, I noticed, uh, Jackson Mitchell, right? Like he's just like, he's, all, he's just a one man wrecking crew all over the field. Like he's in on every single play the same with Jason Henderson. Um, and so those are the things I think are easiest to notice. Um, if, if you're trying to like watch a specific player, it's probably better to do that. Like after the game, you know, not, not necessarily in the game. Um, unless, unless you're there just to scout that one guy. Um, but if you, you know, if you're just casually watching a game, just kind of pay attention, right? Like, even if you're not watching the guy, you'll hear the guy's name called a bazillion times, right? And so those are the kind of the the guys to look out for. If the guy's all over the field, then chances are he's you know going to make a lot of tackles and he, he's he's giving himself a maximum amount of opportunities.
0: Speaking of hearing names a lot and and guys that maybe we we anticipate doing that here uh, in the not so distant future, there there are a couple guys that um, are. are we don't know whether they're going to be offensive players or defensive players. uh, You know, this year, the NFL, moving forward, we we just don't really know. Um, And these are kind of players that people are asking us, what should I do with him? So a guy like Travis Hunter, who's there now at Colorado with, with prime uh, number one corner recruit in, in the country coming out of, of high school. And I believe the top player in his class played, both ways at Jackson state when he was healthy. And it seems like he caught a couple of touchdowns in the spring game. Sounds like he wants to do that again at Colorado. What kind of value does a guy like him have, you know, corners, maybe not necessarily players that you want, but it sounds like maybe with his wide receiver uh, background that, that he's an intriguing player for IDP.
1: Absolutely. So, um, in the two drafts, supplemental drafts that I've done so far this year, he's been the highest. If you want to count him as an IDP player, he's been the highest, um, and personally, it's higher than I'm going to pay um, because my, my personal belief is that if he wants to play in the NFL, his best best path to play in the NFL is as a cornerback. And cornerbacks aren't super valuable from a IDP standpoint. Um, and so I'm not going to spend the capital, whether it's auction dollars or draft capital, that would be required to get Travis Hunter. Um but he is absolutely like the best cornerback, probably in in college IDP. Because, like you said, he's going to get receiving. Not only going to get the defensive stat, he's going to get the receiving stats too. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, if you if you're a big believer in Travis Hunter um, and you think he has an NF – to me, to spend that kind of money, I have to. I would have to believe that he could be in the NFL as a wide receiver. That's kind of where I would have to be.
0: Do most leagues make you choose if you want his defensive or offensive stats on any given week? Like you got to slot him in as a DB and you only get DB stats, or you slot him in as a wide receiver and
1: only get wide receiver stats? Um, no. And I'm pretty sure. Sh- and, and I'm so the, the tool that I built that scores IDP in the leagues that I'm in, um, it scores both offensive and defensive stats. And I'm pretty sure Fantrax does too. Um, so if the guy gets offensive stats, he scores them whether he's slotted in a defensive slot or not. Um, I could go back and look. Like Jack Coletto last year was a linebacker, but he played running back. Um, and he's you know they used him at the goal line for uh, touchdowns. So I have to go back and look and see if Fantrax actually gave him credit for those touchdowns. I' am pretty sure they did, but I don't know that for a fact.
0: Okay, what about a guy like Nikolee Harbor? Um, I know Felix and Chris talked about him last week on on Devi debate a little bit. A guy that you know it wants to play wide receiver, but we all thought he was probably gonna be an edge coming out of high school. What are yeah. you doing with a guy like him?
1: So him like I'm probably even I'm less confident about spending money or draft capital on him than I am with Travis Hunter. Um because I think Harbor's true passion is 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 track. Um and I say that because he wants to play wide receiver and he's he's one the, the tape I watched of him, number one. Like he wasn't, he wasn't overly impressive on offense to me. Um, he was very, very raw, and so I don't know how he's ever going to see the field in the SEC, being that raw on offense. Um, he's fast. Um, when I watched him on defense, like he has, he has a elite edge traits, but the competition level, at least the games that I watched him in, was not great. And so that caused me a little bit of concern too. Um, you know, he was clearly the best player on the field. Um, but is he like, is he there? Is he going to be that elite at the next level? I, I don't know. I know he has elite traits. Like he's from, from a speeds perspective. Um, he's someone that I feel like, again, if he really wants to go to the NFL, it's going to be as an edge. Um, I, I think the whole wide receiver or, or play fr- from him is because he wants to go to the Olympics and, and, and compete in track and field.
2: So. Austin, let me ask you a question here because you hate big wide receivers with the fervor of a thousand suns. Do you also hate Nick Harbor?
0: I have him ranked right inside my top 15 in the freshman class, I believe. And for him, I try not to do this a lot, but Harbor was it just a total hedge ranking for me this year because if he – figures it out at all and it's going to be at least two years because he, he wants to go to those olympics in 2024 he, he gets two years to show us and he does hit then he's i mean he's dk metcalf like he, he's just a big freaking freak of an athlete that can do whatever he wants I, I mean i'm curious about maybe like i even think tight end would be better for him offensively than wide receiver yeah. he just doesn't seem to move like a wide receiver to me and it sounds like justice uh, agrees with that i mean how do you feel yeah. about him felix
2: um <sighs> It's it's tough to say because he is one of the most athletic wide receivers in the class. But we've seen this before. I'm thinking of the um the wide receiver from Tennessee who ended up going to Jackson State, the basketball player Malachi, you know, uh, whatever his name was. We've seen a lot of these guys come in, and there are a lot of them in this class. You know, Cordell Russell is one. Malachi Coleman is one. Nichols hard, but I I feel like I've struck out with these guys in the past, so. Um, somebody else is probably going to take him before I am ready to, because he's probably going to go in the second round and in the second round, you know, there's a lot of leagues where Devontae's Walker. I already know Devontae's Walker can do it. There's a lot of leagues where, you know, squirrel white is still available. I'm, I'm probably taking him over guys like Harbor.
1: I think, I think the key for Harbor is to watch what happens after, um, the Olympics next year, right? Kind of. I think that's when he's gotta decide what does he want to do. Um, and that's 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 when you're gonna know, right? And so maybe maybe he goes to the Olympics and let's say he wins a medal, I don't know. And then he says, Well, I'm I'm gonna do this forever, or he doesn't even make the but doesn't even make the US team, and he comes back to South Carolina and says, Hey, you know, I, my future's in the NFL and I need to be a, a defensive end, right? Or an edge. Um you know that to me that's 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 kind of that decision is going to be, I would think, very apparent, you know, sometime next summer.
0: I went on a podcast with Eric Quartz last week, Debbie Dose, and we talked about the top freshman in the class. We mentioned Harbor. And I think I think this is my first time putting this theory out there. I think he is going to be the classic classic case of as he currently stands, can you know, size. Basically, size uh, mattering for both these things. I think he's trying to do both, kind of at a half ass rate, yep. instead of fully committing to one. I mean, <laughs> absolute, I I absolute. find it very improbable that well, a guy's going to win an Olympic medal at 230 pounds running <laughs> running the one, even the 100 and 200. You know, I mean, it's just we we've I, I, if you're competing against other 100th percentile athletes and they weigh 190, it stands to reason to me that the 40 pound lighter guy is probably going to end up being the better sprinter at the end of the day. I I don't know. I,
1: I think I don't know that I would say I think his football is half half hearted. I don't know that I would say that about his track.
0: It just feels like he could lose the weight easily if he wasn't kind of bulking for football. Maybe he just naturally carries two thirty. I, I I don't really know. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's been
1: well and maybe and maybe maybe saying he wants to play wide receiver, right? It allows him to lose that weight.
0: Let's see. Yeah. I mean I, I am interested to see what he shows up at from a, a body perspective uh going into uh, fall because he he's running track this spring. He wasn't even on campus this spring, so yeah, we we, we still don't know. And,
1: and yeah, it'll be interesting. Uh, not not to change the subject real quick, but um I was writing the player profile for Peter Woods, and from his twenty four seven profile to his clem what Clemson says he is, he gained thirty pounds and lost an inch. So <laughs> take that for what it's worth.
0: Clemson has him thirty pounds heavier. I'm assuming.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Um, twenty-four-seven. I think had him at six foot three, two seventy. Clemson has him at six foot two, three hundred. I, I, I believe he's he's three hundred, and I think he might be shorter than six-two. So,
0: gotta that's, love measurement season. Yeah, that's
1: my and that's my concerns with him is his height and his arm length, right? Uh, we, we heard it all draft season with Kalijah Cansey,
0: Pit legend. Um. I have one more big question for you, and, and then we'll, we'll we'll wrap up the show here, I think. Nick Saban barely ever starts true freshman. Any position. Doesn't matter. The ones that have started for him as true freshmen have tended to be pretty, pretty good. Sounds like Caleb Downs might be starting for Alabama, or at least close to it, in game one this year. How good is Caleb Downs?
1: um from a freshman he's pretty good um he's going to like you say he's going to start from Alabama day one so that says a lot right there um if you watch his high school film it's hard to get a real good read on Caleb Downs because he played both ways um and so it's ev- clearly evident to me when I watched um his games is that he take at least on defense he takes plays off um which is to be expected when the guy's playing both ways right um the biggest takeaway for me on downs was whenever he had the ball in his hand whether on offense or he intercepted a ball on defense the dude was electric and so i fully expect that like that he'll be used on you know punt returns or kick returns as well as playing uh defensive back for alabama um he didn't impress me as a tackler he kind of he doesn't really he he doesn't wrap people up he kind of, like, tries to, like, hit you and lay you down versus, like, actually tackle you. Um, and, again, a lot of that could be because he's playing both sides. So it's kind of – it's really hard, I think, to get a good read on him. He's He's got uh, footballs in his blood, right? So his uh, brother just got drafted by the Colts, Josh Downs, played receiver at Carolina. His dad was a running back at North Carolina State. Um, and then it leaves his uncle, is Dre Bly, cornerback at uh, really? UNC, and played know for. That. Yep, played for the Detroit Lions. So he's he's definitely got NFL pedigree. Um, the safety position is wide open in Alabama, right? They lost three safeties to the um, to the NFL draft. Um, you know, an, another another safety that I think was in line to possibly start too is Tony Mitchell. Um, until he kind of had that uh, little incident. Um, but, uh, yeah, downs, you know, we were talking before the show and you kind of asked me to compare him somebody, I don't know. This is a great comp just, but how I expect him to play is like a Kevin Byard who might not be a great tackle guy, but a guy that's gonna, you know, get a lot of interceptions do, do a lot of extra things. Um, and I, I can see that with Downs, you know, has a do, nose for
0: the ball. Do you have, do you find that a guy like Downs, you, you know, you said he he doesn't necessarily showcase good tackling form. Is that something you expect him to improve on under Nick Saban there? I mean, Saban is ah, well, absolutely. going settle for, <laughs> uh, you know, a guy that can't well, tackle. Well, I, I, I
1: say that, right? But then you watch the, did you watch the Tennessee game, right? When, 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 yeah. uh, Jalen Hyatt freaking toasted Brian branch and DeMarco Hillums all day. Right. And it wasn't like he did anything necessarily special. Um, and he absolutely torched those guys. So I, I say that. Right. But um, yeah, I mean, he, he's got to get better, right. You, 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 you can't, you can't make a highlight reel every single play, which is kind of, you know, what, what to me, he, his tackling style reminded me of, right. He's just trying to, trying to lay guys out, you know, and, 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 knock him over with brute force. It's not going to work so much at the next level when guys are just as big, if not bigger, than you.
2: You mentioned his name, Justice, and since uh, he's a Detroit Lion, I need to ask you about him. What what can we expect from from Brian Branch? He was considered to be a great value in the second round for the Lions. I mean, <laughs> do you think so, and what can we expect from him?
1: So I think um, the, w- the value that Brian Branch brings is his versatility, right? I think he can play either of the two safety positions. He can also play slot corner. Um the confusing part for me is where he went with Detroit because they kind of got somebody that kind of does that already in Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, right? And so it'd be interesting to see how all those guys how they coexist, right? And then you got Tracy Walker coming back um from from injury. Um and so yes, I think it's going to me it's going to be interesting to see how they use Branch and uh Chauncey Ch- Ch- John Gardner Johnson because they're in my opinion fairly similar type players.
2: We had Quandre Diggs who could do the same things, but he didn't mesh with the uh what's that tourist name who came from New England for a few seasons? Matt Matt uh, Patricia. Matt Patricia and Bob Quinn. He didn't mesh with that. So that's when they got rid of all the players who actually had a voice in the locker room, got rid of Darius like got rid of Quandre Diggs, got rid of Golden Tate. Uh
1: Talk on and on about that. If you want to talk about Detroit, man, you talk about Jack Campbell. The dude, I I love the guy. Um,
2: So you don't think that that was a reach to get a fifth-year senior linebacker? Well, here's the problem.
1: Like, I understand, like, from a positional value standpoint, where people argue, "Hey, you know, taking Jamar Gibbs and Jack Campbell, that was bad." I understand that argument, but at the same time, they're not bad players, and so. You know, maybe they could have waited. Maybe they couldn't. But, like, it was ultimate like, get your guy moves, right? And so I kind of applaud that a little bit. You know, it's, and so people say, oh, they had a bad draft. They're only saying that because of a positional value standpoint. Ne- neither one of those guys are, are bad actual players, um, in my opinion. Um, Jack Campbell was my LB1 going into the draft. Um, I drafted him. So I, I'm in a IDP league where we actually it's NFL, but we draft before the NFL draft. We drafted in March and I had the number four pick and I took Jack Campbell. And some people were like, Oh, that's too early. You know, why'd you take him? Well, there you go. Right. He was the number one linebacker taken. No other linebacker was taken. So I think what round three, that's why I took Jack Campbell. Um, people knock him about his uh, coverage skills. I mean, I don't think he's terrible. Um, he tested well. Um, he's just a football player, man. And I, that's what I love about him.
2: Sounds like a Dan Campbell kind of
1: pick. Absolutely. And, and you know, I'm, I'm probably partial to him because when I started playing college IDP leagues, um, he's someone that I identified pretty early and drafted everywhere I could. So he's – if I had to say like who was my first, my guy on the IDP side, it was Jack Campbell. Right. And so, you know, I take a little pride in, in the fact that he's, he's done so well.
2: We got the Chiefs Sunday night football. So we'll see if we can stop the run versus the chiefs week one.
0: Hey, you can hold them under hundred yards rushing and still probably get, probably lose by three touchdowns. We'll see how that goes.
1: Hey, Austin. Um, if, if it's if it's okay with you, I, what would you say? I mean, I just feel like because of my knowledge, my strategy is not necessarily the best for everyone, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, what would you, you know, you play in IDP leagues. Is there a, a strategy that you think works well for you or for people that are, you know, not so knowledgeable about IDP? Yeah, we heard the
0: experts um approach to drafting and now the fools approach to drafting it's not fools it's
1: you you gotta do what's best for you right it's not i mean that's just the way it is
0: (laughs) so i i punt idp the first two or three weeks of the season until i see some tackle trends like i i've got some names i've got guys on on a bunch of rods like i've got justin flow a bunch of places the what is he now arizona or arizona state or something like that i I have him on a couple you know guys that i thought or, or thought or think will be nfl players and obviously they have debbie value and then yeah week week two week three rolls around i either go into now our tool or uh, you know wherever i can just sort by tackles i sort by tackles i go to free agents i see who's available and i pick up like eight guys and that's that's really how i do it you know and I, if i go i don't think anybody is like amazing in idp like i i would find it hard to believe on most of my rosters that i just get absolutely torched week one week two while i'm waiting and then you know you hope that that's an extra 20 30 40 points for you a week plus and, and that's kind of what turns it around so that's personally my approach uh i don't think i've ever spent up on a freshman i I spent a little bit on flow but he still wasn't wasn't terrible um but uh yeah i i I mostly just uh avoid those guys completely
1: yeah the the three supplemental drafts i did last year the two auctions i did not bid on a single idp player the traditional draft the only player i drafted was josiah stewart from coastal carolina who was Mm -hmm. a freshman all-american um this year the uh the two drafts i've done so far i've gotten the three idp players um one was a linebacker from iowa ben cooter went for like eight bucks something like that he you got to spend
0: up for a guy's last name is cooter like let's just <laughs> let's just be honest here
1: um yeah i mean the the, the nice thing about him is he he's, he's a wrestler too right and so that i think that translates well for yeah for a linebacker. Um, and he was relatively cheap. So, you know, I, I spent the $8 for him. The, uh, the other player I got was chop Robinson from Penn state, how he was a free agent in the league and how I didn't notice he was a free agent in the league last year. Like clearly I got to do a better job. Um, but uh, I spent up and I, I don't know, I spent like the $80 range on him. And so someone like him, I don't have a problem spending up because like, I'm really confident he's going to be a first-round draft pick next year. I mean, he's one of the best, you know, the best edges after Jared Verse, um, and so you know, just the, the same with offense, right? If you can the earlier you can identify those guys, the cheaper they're going to be. Um, oh. And then, and then the other the other guy was someone that um, I watched as a, as a, in high school, Samuel and Pemba at um, Georgia. He's, he's not a really hyped guy, um, but, you know, he played both offense and defense for a long time. He finally committed to defense, and so I think he was probably, for some reason, he, he dropped in the rankings. He, at one point, I think he was, like, number two or three in the edges. And he dropped all the way down to 10th. I'm not sure why that happened. Um, when I watched him, I watched, like, his first two games this senior year. I don't know if he kind of tailed off after that or not, or other people just kind of rose up or what it was, but um, he was going fairly cheap, and so I won him. But uh, yeah, so unless it's like a unless I feel really confident about about a guy going in the first round, I'm not spending up.
0: Justice, I have one final question for you, and it's going to be to my benefit and your detriment, and we're going to get you <laughs> out of here. One guy that you want to leave all your IDP drafts
1: with this year. Ooh. Hmm. Probably. Well, we got. We got. I got to think about how to how you trying to frame this question. Like guys that. The problem is, like I can tell you a guy, but I'm never gonna get him because he's gonna go too high to begin with. Um, and that would be Janelle Aguero, the safety for Georgia.
0: Is he from up north somewhere, New England area.
1: Yeah. Well, he went to IMG and then he transferred oh, okay. back. He went to IMG, um, and the problem to me, the problem with like an IMG right is, I don't know, they really care what position you play, right? They just want the best, the best twelve guys on the field, and so um, whereas Aguero is really a safety, they used him a lot as a cornerback. Um, and again, I don't think it was because he's a bad safety, right? They're just trying to get the twelve best guys on the field, however they can make that happen. Um, so, he did transfer back to uh, – I believe he's from the New England area, Massachusetts. Um, so, he transferred back up there his senior year. Um, yeah, I was watching his high school tape. I was more impressed with him than I was with Caleb Downs.
0: Okay. Well, there we have it, folks. Aguero, greater than Downs. That's going to be a great clip that we can post on, uh, on, <laughs> yeah, on Twitter. Yeah, watch <laughs> not happen now, but <laughs> – all right. Well, Justice, thank you so much for hopping on here with us, for giving us a little bit of time, talking some IDP, something that clearly Felix and I know nothing about. You can find you at, Felix gave me a face as if he actually knows, and I just insulted him somehow. Um, at justice underscore two, three, one, eight on Twitter. You can find you on the Debbie IDP grind
1: podcast.
0: Um, I was going to say, C2C. go ahead.
1: I was going to say um, another great resource for people that's in um, college IDP. So on the, on the Ip Grind podcast, we do a conference preview series, right? Where we, we go conference by conference. The Power Five, we do division by division. Um, and if you're playing college IDP, that's a must-listen. Because we're going to talk about a, a wide range of – a lot of guys. Right? Is that we're, out
0: now, or will that be out over the no,
1: summer? No, um, we'll probably be starting, like, in June-ish time frame. Okay. okay. Um, but, like, you know, last year we had – I talked about Jason Henderson last year. I talked about Danny. We talked about Danny Stutzman, um, Mason Cobb, um, those kind of guys off the top of my head that we talked about on those, on those shows. And, you know, that were unknowns at that point who became, you know, top IDP studs.
0: All right. Well, there you have it folks. And if you're an IDP league, you're probably in it with justice anyway. So go, <laughs> go get some ammo used against the man justice thank you so much for hopping on here with us for filling in for calling um and uh look forward to you're, you're doing some previews some player previews on the site right now so yep. so i would i would recommend uh, everybody go uh check those out check out the rest of the podcast feed guys you're a busy guy this week justice you were on chasing the natty with chris k this week as well back yep. to debbie debbie debate can't bound future freshmen it's all there go ahead subscribe give us a five-star review until next time guys i am austin and have a good one